0: From OnWe, this is OnWe Talk. You can support the show and other OnWe projects by subscribing to OnWe Plus on Patreon. But for now, sit down and enjoy. Welcome back to the OnWe Todd podcast. Um, it's a, we're recording on a Friday night, you know, a good old Friday night here in Australia. And I'm with my guest, um, first time on the podcast, um, a small little Aussie creator. Haven't talked with many Australian creators at all. I don't think. Many kudos was is from New Zealand, living in Australia, of course. We're talking with um, Sam's Movies. Sam's Movies makes videos on YouTube. Never would have guessed mm. it. Um, I really enjoy. I've actually really enjoyed some of your. Like, let me be honest. When I found your channel. Just just from an overview, it's like, oh, you know what? This is going to be like another shitty, shitty commentary yeah. channel. Watching some yeah. of your videos, Sam, I genuinely, genuinely enjoy them. My favorite video... Thank you so much. No worries, bro. Easy. Um, thanks for coming on the podcast as well, but I just wanted to mention... No, bro, it's
1: fantastic to be here, so the viewers can hear me tell you. I'm uh, very grateful to be on this podcast as the small creator compared to the other ones you've had recently are fantastic. Well, I'm glad so I yes, to have... Yes, continue.
0: Well, what I was going to say was, I one of my favorite videos that you put out recently was the greatest cartoon that never was, Korgoth, Korgoth sorry, The Barbaria, which is just, yes. you know, an adult swim pilot. And you went, you know, for an eight-minute video, quite in-depth. I really enjoyed it. Um, and I think it's, you know, you've been making videos for like, what, a few years, five years, since something like that? Since June, I think, 2015 I started. Yeah. And you're only a young man. You're a young man like me. And I think it's... 21, what yeah. What I really like about you just in general like you know because you you um i'll get i'll get to how we sort of um started um you know talking but it was i i really like to talk to other creators who are sort of at my quote-unquote size obviously you know you got mm-hmm. four and a half thousand um thousand subs which um you know which is much much more than me but it's the attention uh, to the likes on each video though isn't really <laughs> doesn't oh, really you, indicative of the subs no and that's true too and i think it's like you know because you've had a few um you know, just like little little videos that went viral. Um, this yeah. is okay. I'm just lo- and I'm just looking at your most popular video, over one million views, and it's the secret way to find porn on YouTube. <laughs> um, really like that. Some oh, good some no. good clickbait there, but it's it's a lot of clickbait,
1: yeah. But the video itself, trust me, is it's professional enough compared to the title and thumbnail. But <laughs>
0: you know, sometimes you get that get that clickbait in. Absolutely. Yeah, um, of course. Um, but I, th- I I like talking to, especially like a, smaller Australian creators. Like I think it's. It does sound weird to say, but it's like, you know how like, um, for example, um, when you're watching, let's just say, oh, the World Cup and like, you know, you might not give a, sh- a shit about like equestrian, you know, horse sports, but it's like, mm. oh, there's an Australian guy there. I'm going to go for that guy. I exactly. like that. I like, I like supporting small Australian creators because as I've, I've, as I've discussed on many, many, many different episodes of the podcast, we don't really have very much of an industry here, quote unquote. Um, You know, there's there's little bits here and there, but it's nothing that, or nothing compared to um, America, of course. And even, like, compared to, like, the UK. Like, they have a much, much better infrastructure for creators to grow and flourish. Like, I think, like, especially, like, you know, YouTube is always going to be, like, sorry, being a YouTuber, I should say, is always going to leave, you know, a a, a dirty taste in people's mouth. But I think that... Um, you know, especially in America and, and um, the UK, mm. there is, you know, there's abilities to get sponsorships and all that sort of stuff. And I think it's becoming much, much more mainstream than it ever has before. Here in Australia, Absolutely. it's it's nothing. Um, so, as much as I can, I just like, you know, even, even just like this, like this is like, this might be nothing. In the grand scheme of things, it might be just like, you know, we record and then nothing ever happens. Neither of us, you know, grow, quote unquote, whatever you want to call it. And then it's just us having fun on the podcast. Mm. But it could be just like, you know, we have this great conversation and it sort of helps both of us. It's a club at the the end of the day. And I think that's, especially for Australian creators, I think collaboration with other small um, Australian creators is something that, you know, we could all bring ourselves up. You don't see Mm. that.
1: I think it's so important. I mean, you know, when you're two small creators, you know, to work together and, you know, Throw throw, throw, he dies, throw ideas off one another. Mm. And I mean, you know, as you said, Australian YouTubers, Australia's not really a lucrative country for YouTubers. I mean, I was looking the other day on Social Blade and our second most popular YouTuber is Jackson O'Doherty, if I can really? speak correctly. he's Yeah, he's he doesn't even make that many videos. And, you know, you'd expect it to be Racka Racka or something, but their channel's just been you know, slowed down from YouTube in terms of recommended videos lately.
0: And I think Racka Racka, that's a, that's a lot of because of, you um, know, the content they make. It is very, mm. very, very much not brand friendly. Um, yeah. And the, the
1: oh, geez, <laughs> their YouTube channel was um, so stopped from being promoted that the way I found Racka Racka, it's actually insane. I saw Michael at Crown on my poker table, or my blackjack table. Really? He just rocked up on it. And I had no idea who he was. And everyone was looking at me expecting I'd know who he is. And I'm like, who's that? And they're like, it's Michael from racker I'm like, I've never heard of Racker racker. I've seen all their videos one year later after. <laughs> That's how I found Shit. his channel, just seeing him in person.
0: That's fucking crazy. Because I've been watching Racka, Racka <laughs> yeah. for years. And it's like you, you're at the crown playing poker. <laughs> and then you happen to meet this, you know, probably one of Australia's biggest creators. Absolutely. Yeah. And he, and he had was no going idea. crazy. He was
1: doing the same screams as he does in his videos where he goes, Whoa! <laughs> he was doing that at the table when he was winning blackjack hands. It was it was good fun. Uh, yeah, that's. I didn't know anything about him
0: though when I saw him. I literally had no... I,
1: I thought he could have just been another face in the crowd. It was crazy. But yeah.
0: Fuck, that is funny. What is the most... Uh, just, just a bit of a sidebar. What is the most famous person that you've ever been in the presence of? I wouldn't say met because, you know, there's... Um, yeah. I think like, you know... The, th- off the top of my head, it was Jack Vigeon. Jack Vigeon was the kid oh. who was on... Um, was yeah. he on Australian Idol first? I think he was. maybe Australia's it was the- Got Talent. I remember watching his audition. It was amazing. And then he was... He still has a great voice. Oh, he does. Absolutely. Because he was on The Voice, About I think it was last yeah. year. And I remember like when he was on Australia's Got Talent, he was some like 13-year-old boy. I would have been like 15. And of course, mm. like my natural reaction is like, oh, look at that. Gay gay boy because he like he looks <laughs> yeah. like he's a bit of a um you know a flamboyant sort of kid but like look at him yeah. um look at him now he's um he's doing quite well. well actually if you have to go on one reality show and then have to come on another ten years later you mustn't be doing very very good. Um, like that's like, do you, yeah, do you yeah. remember Lee Harding from like one of the first Australian yeah. idols? He's like the punk guy. The wasabi guy. The was- oh, I love that song. That was a banger back yeah, in like, wasabi. banger of a song back in 2004. <laughs> and then like, he's on yeah. the voice last year, Yeah. but I guess that's sort of like, that proves like the Australian, the Australian like entertainment industry is very, very odd in that sense. I remember it's a few weeks enough. ago, I was talking to somebody and it was, we were like, oh, who are the big Australian comedians? And we sort of Google Australian comedians. I think the first one was like Dave Hughes. And when you think of Dave Hughes, you don't think stand-up comedian. You think he's on the project. That's you know the the um the what would you call it? what what is it? What would you call the project? It's like a, a, a it's not a news garbage? show. It's like well, it's garbage. <laughs> Absolutely. It's just a, it's just like a new a current affairs show, really. I guess slash talk show panel sort of thing. Yeah. He's a host on that, and he's on um he's on radio. And that's the thing, all the comedians just get into radio because there's no stand-up mm. industry here, like at it's all. It's just,
1: it's bizarre the way Australia works. I mean, people, uh, I did a TV and radio course a couple of years ago and no mm. one was willing to go onto YouTube and neither was I really, but I kind of landed on YouTube after realizing how bad our industry is mm. for television and promoting yourself and, you know, it's so small here in Australia, you're better off. You know, grinding away on YouTube than trying to crack into the Australian TV industry. I think.
0: Oh, absolutely. I really because that that, there's an audience there. Like, I think Lewis Spears is probably Mm. one of the the one who has done it so so well. Um, like, because he's he's a traditional, pretty much stand up, and he's you know he's got all his stuff on YouTube going, like you know videos every few weeks, and I think he's the one who's adapted really well to being a stand up, but doing YouTube videos as well because like if he was one like because if he was in America he'd be doing stand up and then being on TV slash the bigger podcasts slash maybe some um, film appearances. Obviously mm. the TV and film here is like what's the fucking point? Like at all. He's much much better going onto YouTube um exactly. and building an audience like that. The the It's it's very, very interesting. Like I remember actually listening it was a Tim Ferris podcast and he was talking with Jim Jefferies, g- absolute great comedian. And I remember he was, I believe the story was like, he was 19 and he's like, I want to be a stand-up comedian. And like, you know, he, d- he was doing stand-up and like, you know, I think he was living in Sydney at the time. And there was just like no industry here. And he's like, fuck it. I'm just going to move. He moved um, overseas. He moved overseas um, to the UK because realistically, there's, there's no there was no way he was going to become a huge success. Over here. There's very mm. very a very, very small ceiling. Margot Robbie is another big example. Started on neighbours. What the fuck are you gonna do after neighbours? There's nothing going on here. Goes mm. over to America, look at her now, she's fucking Harley Quinn. I think that's it's sort of like, you know, if you want to make it big, 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 you have to be overseas. But like Brit um Britain. Like you'd think like um you would think that if England can have such a big sort of media industry and sort of um be so big that the, you can live in England and work in England and all that and have an audience all around the world. You'd think you did that in Australia,
1: but yeah, it just but doesn't seem to work all. like
0: that. And I don't... No, and it's... Hmm. Sorry. Yeah.
1: You're <laughs> right. I was just going to briefly say it's, it's so garbage now with the new uh, proposed Digital Millennium Copyright Act with all the journalism companies all wanting to just, you know, own
0: the ad space of YouTube and just the promotion all over YouTube. Ridiculous. Isn't it? That's and I can't insane. believe, and it's, and it just proves that it's not that <laughs> the Australian government and like, you know, the, the boomers over here, they don't understand, <laughs> they don't understand YouTube. Like even with Screen no. Australia, they're giving out their, I think it's been about five years, six years. They've been doing their, um, the yearly sort of YouTube funding sort of thing. Uh, um, Artie Donna was one of the big ones oh, who got yeah. it back in the day. Um, Raka Raka, I believe was one of the first recipients of it. But other than that, it's, like, all these YouTubers that no one really... Not that they're not good, either. It's just, like, none of them are good enough to push YouTube into the mainstream. I think that's what we need. It's, like, just to give yeah. my... Of course, love to do it every episode. My my wrestling reference. Um, re- wrestling was big in the 90s, of course. You know, it was, you know, in mainstream media everywhere. And, like, ever since then... Of course, the WWE might be making more money than they ever have, but they don't have the big enough stars to push them back into the mainstream. I think that's the same thing with the like Australian YouTubers and Australian internet creators, just in general on whatever platform. Um, just so underground. It, exactly, and it's still it's cool. It's cool to be an Australian creator and like, cause like you can see like all the like the misfits. They're doing so good, and like you know, cold ones with um yeah it's impressive with, with chad and max like i think the well the thing that obviously helped chad and max is because they collaborated with Dubs and filthy frank and they took in a lot of those mm. fans and especially when sort of like you know Dubs has gone you know a little bit down not not downhill it's not putting out the same slash as regular content and obviously his filthy content's frank-
1: changed a lot over the years because of youtube's you know policies changing he's had to change a lot of his the way he makes his content you know the vulgarness of the words he uses, like he doesn't use the n word, obviously anymore. You um, can't, you know. It's just changed so much the landscape of YouTube.
0: And I think even with that, a lot of it's, um, I think a lot of it with that is, you know, you might also be, you know, trying to work with the algorithm. But I also think it's like not just PC culture, but I think you know the the way what not not what is funny, I guess, just like what is acceptable. Like, um, you know, and I think it's like, especially if you want to sort of keep your audience, like, I think like, I think even like, you know, saying the N word, um, you know, in a comedic way, in a comedic context, even that gets a bit old. I think like, um, I sort of think that like I've, I, I didn't say the N word, but I made an N word joke. Like, you know, it was like either a cut or whatever it was. And like, in retrospect, it's like, it's not the funniest joke in the world. It's this one thing <laughs> I remember. It was the it was Steve Martin. Actually, I've been doing his masterclass about comedy, and it was one of the big things he sort of emphasised is like, do you need to say fuck there? Do you need to say shit there? Um, if you're saying fuck Everything or shit, has its place. no, it mm. does absolutely. Like if you're saying fuck or shit, and that's the only thing that makes the joke funny, it's not a funny joke. It's not a funny yeah, joke at all. And I think it's like me Schumer joke, exactly right. I think, oh no! But um, just just punching from nowhere. Jesus fucking Christ! Actually, one <laughs> movie. I just wanted one thing that I actually wanted to mention before we get back into this YouTube stuff. Um, mm. I didn't know what you looked like for a while. Obviously, like you know, I'd watch a few videos, had to skip through, and then like I watched one of your. I remember watching one of your videos the other day. Actually, like I'd seen you and all that sort of stuff, but I looked at yeah. you. And I was like, fuck, you're a handsome motherfucker. Holy fucking shit. <laughs> and I was thinking, like, you're the kind of guy who would have, like, bullied me for, like, oh, having... No. Oh, look at the guy with the big bushy eyebrows. And, like... <laughs> Probably. I, would- I was a horrible kid. I can imagine. Like, I can imagine me, like, <laughs> talking to a girl. And, like, you know, she might be a bit interested. And then five minutes later, Sam's movies comes in. comes in. The Chad comes in. Fucking- yeah, the Chad. The fucking Chad. Jesus Christ. Fuck- oh, fucking horrible. Oh, no. I was, I was not
1: popular in school. Um... I could elaborate more on that later, but I was, yeah, I was very hated. (laughs) Let's just say I was very vivacious personalities, you could imagine. But yeah, people, I don't know. I used to have my face in every single video I made. And then I just kind of thought, you know what? I might take a backward step. And uh, because people love commentary videos, people love a lot of visuals instead of just someone's face talking to a camera. Um, I just kind of changed the way I did it and made more video essays with scripts. And uh, hopefully that can continue. But yeah, as you were saying, thank
0: you for... Boosting my ego on this. Yeah, no worries, bro. Easy as. Um, and just circling back to that sort of um, back to your handsome devil too, Matthew. Oh, thank you, my friend. You're too kind. I'm <laughs> um, just circling back to YouTube. I wanted to talk a bit, bit more about your channel. How would you describe your channel? Because it is, you know, things have changed here and like, you know, just it, going through your channel. But what would you describe yeah. your channel as right now?
1: It is the exact opposite way you should tackle YouTube. It's a variety channel, so. I'm the kind of person, um, my whole family's like this. We're basically all pretty much ADHD, but not, (laughs) we're not heaps ADHD, just putting my family under the bus there. We move on from, you know, interest to interest. We can't stay on the one thing forever. And I think to be a really successful YouTuber, you have to stick to a formula of the one type of video. And that's what people gravitate to. That's how you get a higher audience because people know what to expect. I get bored to tears making the exact same series, so I have to sort of change things up. So, my channel has a lot of variety, there's a lot of crazy videos I make with my friends and then I, you know, tone it down and do a very serious video, but it's a mixture of commentary meets crazy antics, I'd say. That's the best way of describing it, really.
0: Because, yeah, just looking at some of your your more recent videos are sort of that sort of video essay, that sort of commentary um, sort of of, um, genre. So like the you know there's the two two of the most recent ones you did discuss um, Futurama. There was one before that, and it was um, talking about Jonathan Tonga, um, and then some of your other ones are sort of you know Kinder Surprise egg drop, and that's like you know it's a different it's a different sort of content. I don't think it, and I think this is actually something that was discussed on the Create Unknown, um, the episode that came out a few days ago um, or today. I can't even fucking remember, um, with many kudos. And it was talking about some creators have gotten so big that they can just put out anything. JonTron was the example. You um, can put yeah. out anything now. And because he's built such a fan base and because it's such a personality-driven um, channel now, absolutely. It's not just like a gaming channel as he was back in the day. He can put out anything and people just gravitate towards it and watch it. I think mm. the um, one of the other big examples is Idubs. Idubs can put like you know he's just talking about shit now like it's nothing like his older videos at all, but he can just put out anything right now, and I think that, that yeah, like that's yeah. probably the one that's probably the one tr- um, problem with your channel, even with my channel and many many other channels, mm. it's like jumping around and not sticking to something. But then you go your to-
1: channel has the same thumbnail layout, which I think helps you a lot because people know what to expect with the thumbnail layout being so consistent and having the figure ground principle which is foreground the people's heads and then the background's that um, picture that um, I forgot what it is it's a color of sorts it's yeah. that frame thing sorry <laughs> I'm trying to picture it but I can't um, yeah so I think as you were saying following you know a proper format and a proper layout with repeat content helps you to you know have proper retention and you know have heaps of people watching your channel but yeah it's it's not a great idea to do what I do and just Go from <laughs> different video idea to different video idea and different series, but um, yeah, no, it's tough.
0: Well, let's go. Just let's just go right back to the beginning. What sort of? Well, obviously, your channel is called Sam's Movies. So back in mm. the day, little old Sam's Movies was creating Sam's Movies. You were doing movie reviews, basically. Yeah, I
1: was. And
0: what what of what made you change? What made you change from that?
1: So, the movie reviews were. I was inspired by a guy called Shitcase Cinema, who's very, very small from the UK. Interesting. And he reviewed horror movies, really B grade horror movies. And I loved his content so much. And then I found Nostalgia Critic. And back in the day, I was a massive Nostalgia Critic fan. Sadly, not so much anymore, but still appreciate the old stuff. And I just, I don't know. Whenever I see something I like, I don't know if this is the same with you. Whenever I watch a channel that I really enjoy, I figure, you know what, I could do my own spin on that but not rip it off completely and that's how I started my YouTube channel pretty much.
0: That's how I started as well. It was all about my inspirations. Um, Like when Mm. I was younger, a lot of my inspirations were... A lot of animators, it was like the ONG's, the Psychic Pebbles, a lot of those new ground sort of guys, Rice Pirate, Stamper. And they mm. they all... Because that's what I was going to do. On was going to be um, animated content. I've got like three animated shows just sitting there, ready to be oh. made, just need the money to make them. And like that, was, that's where my sort of love of um, just comedy in general sort of started. It did start from animation, which is sort of a, a bit... I don't think a lot of YouTubers are like that. I don't think a lot of YouTubers like YouTubers first, not just you know animators or animated content. I didn't really lo- watch a lot yeah. of necessary YouTubers back in the day. Um, and like like when Sleepy Sleepy Cabin came about, which was only Rice Pirates, Psychic Pebbles, Stamper, a bunch of them. I can't remember all of them. And I'd love to get all those boys on the podcast because there's there's some, there's some <laughs> guys who really really they made me realize that like people who of People who like the, the sort of humor I like actually, like, exist. Like, their audience is pretty much exactly how I am. Like, very, very much. Hmm. And then, and that's sort of how, to, how on we sort of started it, in the sense that I created content that I wanted to see. Obviously, the animation stuff didn't happen. It was like, oh, how can I make easy content by myself? And that's how Marty's Internet Show came out and the podcast because it's cheap and easy. Blah, blah, the blah. The natural progression. The, no, exactly. The natural progression. Um, yeah, and like you know, th- th- I think that. Um, but that's where my love. That's that's where it all started. Animation. Like that's why I love so many Adult Swim shows. That's why South Park is my favorite show of all time. And that's sort of, that sort of still bled through to um, to today. I think that like those sort of shows like really um, they 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 influence my humor in general. And I think did, is it, are there any was. When you sort of changed your content though, did you just sort mm. of go, oh, I'm going to see what's sort of doing well or did you see, was there anybody who you're watching at the time, you're like, you know what, if I'm going to change my content, I'm going to change it to this sort of style?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I used to be, this, I'm mentioning another channel I don't really watch anymore but was a massive fan of, H3, H3. Um, their style of reaction videos cutting in and out from their reaction to back to the original source material. I love that way of presenting, you know, a reaction video, not just, you know, staring at a screen, your your face is in the corner and the videos and the rest of the screen. I wanted to edit it like it actually, you know, looked like it took to look like it took a bit of time to make. And the movie reviews side of things, I didn't really answer your question before, sorry. Um, the movie review side of things, they were really tough to make. Because you're working with a 90-minute film in the editing software and You've basically got to cut down every bit of that 90-minute film and then show your reactions to it. And writing a script for those was really tough. Watching the whole movie, especially because they were all bad, the ones I reviewed. Uh, I reviewed some good ones, but I don't know. I just kind of got sick of the sick of the concept, really. And I moved more to looking at you know lost TV shows and movies, and then you know reacting to different things I found that I thought was worth presenting. And actually. To so what you said before with the animation, I would never would have picked that you were an animation fan from looking at your channel. I, I did not even know that, so it makes sense why you gravitate you gravitated more towards my uh, recent video on
0: Corgoth. Yes, yes indeed. But, um, yeah, no. And I think that's the only reason, as I said, the only reason why I haven't really made any animated stuff is because animation's expensive, and also I do yeah. not have the patience to be an animator. I think I'm a very I'm very oh my head goes all over the place. Very, very much so, and actually, just the one thing I wanted to touch on that you mentioned before was, um, like, oh, you liked H three because of you know cutting back and forth from the footage, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. You seem like a very, very much a, a format guy as well. Like you, and oh, you like the you like the editing aspect. It just from just from what you talk about, would you say editing is is your favorite part? Is it the filming? Is it the writing? Like, what is your favorite part of the creation of a video?
1: I think the editing is fun when you film the video with other people. The editing, you just have a blast editing the video because you're looking at all these jokes your friends made and laughing your head off at those and sometimes laughing at your own jokes narcissistically. Um, But the editing is very tough when it's just a commentary video. I often love the process of recording. I really like, you know seeing just a basic written script and you know you could read that script as hello and welcome to the video today guys or you could just be like interpret all the words in your own way and try and engage the viewers and that's some people find that really tough to do and i found that really tough to do um before i started youtube when i was very early in um the process of you know reading out scripts and presenting you know little homemade shows i i found it tough to you know control the level of excitement i was either too excited to present what i was doing or not excited enough and yeah that's definitely one of the toughest things but the editing process is great i think the best part is when it's over because once you look at what you've made and you proofread the entire video because i like to proofread my videos properly and then check if there's any mistakes and then once the video starts uploading it's just this huge relief because you know that you've written a script you've read out the script You put it all through editing. See, I edit audio and Premiere Pro separately. Then I go to another editor now, which is, you know, even more complicated than it should be. But Mm. it's just a huge relief, I think, when the whole process is finished. But, yeah, there's a lot of stages there. The editing is, for me, it's not the most fun part.
0: But I still love the end result. That's why I do it. See, for me, I'm very... It depends what sort of video. So, when I was making my series Marty's Malabag, which was pretty much playing a character... Um, sitting at a table, making improvised jokes, and then just little, literally cutting that down. I loved editing that stuff because mm. I was, I love just making the perfect cuts and all that sort of stuff with my sort of my film, my um, my narrative content. I guess the stuff that my scripted, scripted content. Um, even if it is like um, only partially scripted, and a lot of it's improv. Even if I'm working with like a bunch of different shots. It really depends. Like I've always thought, like oh, I want to be a filmmaker. I want to be a filmmaker. But I think the thing that I hate about filmmaking is the editing side. I love, yeah. I love writing stuff. I love writing a great idea that I can sort of like dig my teeth into. I love yeah. um, producing that, like making it happen, and the, and directing. I think my, my biggest thing is writing and directing. Those are my two big, the things I enjoy, and also the things that I think I'm the strongest at. Um, and editing, it's I'm alright. Like writing and acting. Sorry. Sorry, I was
1: just I just elaborated. I love writing and acting. Really, uh, the directing part I like. Yeah, the acting. I'm not a great actor, but I'm hoping I will be one day. <laughs> but the editing part is, yeah, it's it's a drag sometimes. It really is.
0: I think, and i've I've actually heard I've heard that a lot of creators their least favorite part is the editing process, and that's actually yeah. why I've chucked away my behind the scenes editing. It's like, if I'm going to spend time editing, I'm going to spend time on, not just like, oh, I'm going to spend time on the content that's out for everybody. Behind the scenes content, you can just cut that together and it can be okay. Um, yeah. And you're like, you know, because that's what it is. It's behind the scenes. You're not really, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't, it's not built on the edit really. You know, you just you compiling exactly. You're not you're just compiling um good clips really, and like it's not Mm. you know if you're off by a little bit, it's not you know if you're off by a few few frames, not going to make a big deal. Um, I think that the my ideal situation would be you know being that director, being that writer mostly, like you know having a team with me, and then like being in the editing room, and like you know if as long as like the base edits down. And just perfecting that edit. Like, when I produced the Mm. first season of Marty's Annette Show, it was me and my friend Hayden, and we sat in his little shack for, like, two days and edited that. And that was the funnest thing. Because it's like, we had the, we had all, I had the bass edit down, I think, actually. I had the bass edit down. And I'm like, I'm not going to touch the rest until Hayden and I sit down and have a look. And we put it together. We grabbed the right music and all that sort of stuff. And that was fun. And that's the thing. so much fun. Oh, absolutely. With mates. Absolutely, and that—that's the thing. I think being a YouTuber can be quite, quite lonely sometimes. Like, you know, I have my crew. I have my Fair crew, and right. we film and all that sort of stuff. And, but also, one thing I'm already—I'm always, always, always self-conscious about. I'm always self-conscious about burning them out as well. Like, I don't want to like have them over so much. It's like this isn't fun for anymore. But then, really, yeah, like, and they if just it, get it, sick of it. Exactly. But I feel like it should be fun enough that everybody can have fun. Like, well, like, what's your experience like having friends and making videos with them? <sighs>
1: Well, from more recently, my friend Jake, he, he really wanted me to name drop him in this podcast. Of course he did. I'm going to because <laughs> he desperately wants to mention Jake. My friend Jake, um, We I love editing with him. I've edited with him since I met him in my TV and radio course. Mm. And he's an insane special effects editor and he just loves editing. Um, he's never actually had a YouTube channel. I think that's why he loves it, because he, he hasn't edited a ridiculous amount of videos to know how much of a grind it can it can become. But he's just so good at adding, you know, all these crazy effects. He's so ambitious to edit. And I think that kind of match of me being, you know, the cutting editor with the, you know, lots of YouTube videos, I guess, experience. <laughs> oh no. Um, and him being the special effects editor really meshes well. Um You know we're we're actually recording tonight, which I'm really excited for. Oh, sick! Uh, He's coming over. Finally, restrictions eased in Victoria. Thank God. Thank God. But um, (laughs) there's another guy I um have filmed with way longer. Sorry, Jake. Um, his name is Cooper. Mm. Um, name on my channel is Bootleg Bill because that's just the nickname. And (laughs) he is he is one of the he's probably the funniest person I've ever known. He says things off the cuff that just make me die of laughing. And in the editing process, he he says literally anything. So, there is no limits to what is offensive. He'll say any joke and i got to be really ballsy or really, <laughs> I don't know, really cautious in the editing for our videos we film um, to see which joke I'm going to keep in and which joke uh, I might have to remove that. Um, I've kept some pretty bad ones in in the past, but he'll just say anything and... It's just like, you know, out of nowhere, he might be screaming his head off while we're recording a video (laughs) reacting to something. And I just love, I just love filming with a live wire like that. Like you just never know what they're going to do next. Like, And he's just been fantastic to film with. And we've been friends ever since we both ditched, you know, the mainstream crowd in high school. And we both just went into a classroom and watched videos on our laptop at lunch and everyone else is out playing soccer, all the brute kids and... We didn't want to join them, so we just sort of watched videos on our laptop at lunch. But he's been, you know, he's been huge for me with the development of my channel. He, I don't think he realizes how important he's been. But, um, yeah, I've had a great experience with him over the past few years.
0: I I remember back in the day, like, I think with, with OnReach specifically, I think there was a, a year or so where it was very, like, even though I was only working part-time at work, it was really, like, we have to do this video, we have to do this video, we have to do this video. Yeah, And it was, like, it was... And we like we, we weren't filming that that much. Like it wasn't like too horrible. The schedule wasn't too crazy, but it was oh, not even too much of filming the same stuff. I think it was just the way everything was structured, it wasn't fun. It wasn't fun for everybody. And like, not that my content was like too scripted at the time. Like I tried to make it loose. But I think that it was probably relying on the same people too much. Like, you know, rather than having the same guys and we record, we're filming, like, every weekend, you know, like, just mixing it up a bit, because they've got their own lives as well, and they aren't, one thing I I realized really recently was, like, EnWi is me, like, it's not me and the guys, like, it is, like, content-wise, but behind the scenes, it is me, and I've got to remember that, like, it it lives and dies with me, and they aren't going to care, you know, no one's ever going to be 100% like me, ever, in how much they they care about EnWi, they might be like exactly, 90, yeah. they might eventually be 90%, especially like, you know, obviously like it becomes a job, it becomes a company with actual money coming in. You can pay these people and it's, it's a whole different story. But for now, I think the biggest, most important part is just making it fun. And I think that exactly. myself and a lot of other creators, they've even lost the fun in just making the content. You're going to live in the moment. Mm.
1: And when people aren't getting paid and- they're your mates you don't want to push them too much oh, um, i them. noticed that with the egg drop series recently you know i didn't want to push my mates i said oh look if you want to film this uh, we can and if you don't want to we don't have to um one of my mates is really shy and i know when you get a camera going with him his name's uh, bertos he's mm-hmm. he's in one of the thumbnails one of the egg drops and um you kind of have to give him a bit of a push uh but not a bad not a, like a oh i'm forcing you to be in this video kind of push it's more like uh you should be in this because I reckon you have something that everyone else would love to see. Like you're a funny bloke. Um, And that's what I've had to do sometimes as well. You know, I don't want to push my mates to, to be in videos, but also at the same time um, with my mate, Coops, bootleg Bill, we've, I've just gone and I'm like, Coops, right. I'm taking control here. We're going to record three videos today. And he's like, let's do it. And he gets on the jacket and the, you know, attire for his character and we just roll through it. And, they're the times where it's fun though, when he's not, when he's keen. If he's, when I say, all right, let's record this, and he's like, no, nah, I don't want to do it today. I tend not to push the issue anymore because it's like, you know, you don't want to
0: drag your friends, you know, drive your friends away, do? you? Oh, fuck no, absolutely. And no. I've actually had conversations with my friends, and I've always felt like some of them, you know, moved away, doing their own stuff, that sort of thing. But I always felt like I pushed them too hard. I made it, I made, I made it not fun. And that's sad. Like, it makes me feel really sad thinking about that. But it just, it happens, I guess. You know, you just get so lost in growing and all that sort of, like, all the bullshit that it to do with being a creator, you lose sight of what's important, really.
1: Well, maybe in a sense, they weren't necessarily, they were still great to film with, but they weren't necessarily the right person to film with. Like, I've always been extremely cautious over the years with who I film with Um, for the longest time. Um, My mate, Coops, was the only person I would film with. I mean, I had friends at school ask me, oh, can I be on your YouTube channel? And I'd be like, yeah, let's try and book something in. In the meanwhile, (laughs) meanwhile, in my mind, I'm thinking, no, which is Mm. horrible. (laughs) But I was just so cautious because, you know, you don't know what someone's like when you turn the camera on because I've actually filmed reaction videos with friends that the recording didn't even work and I didn't even bother to refilm it because I was just like, that was horrible. And people just... It changed so
0: much once a camera goes in their face. It's crazy. It's interesting that the influence of having a lens on them, like having this attention. Yeah. It's a, it's a, You know, we could go on forever and ever about like, um, you know, the, oh, the social media age and all that sort of shit. But it's true. Yeah. It really is. Like having a camera on you. Um, I think it, it does change you. Absolutely. I can. T- uh, this is from Given personal experience. Giving your mate experience. Ben
1: Davis a camera and mic as well. That's not
0: always the best. Oh God, <laughs> <Sorry>. no. Um. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I wanted to talk to you about, I wanted to talk about, like, let's get past the creator stuff. And, like, you know, like, partially, of course, but, like, a little bit yeah. deeper. Um, no, I'm good. Is there a bit of, like, you know, you've been going for five years, about the same time as me, as well. Um, was there a point in your journey where there, you felt like you had failed? And, but from that, it sort of set you up for success later on. Like, was there a point where it's, like, you know, hitting that sort of failure or apparent failure... And then you felt like, you know, later down the track, you needed that to change your content or just to change your mindset in general.
1: Absolutely. And I'm glad you've said that because I thought I was the only one who thought that when it comes to creating videos. I feel so lonely in this world because I don't know anyone (laughs) other than you who makes YouTube videos. Um, Yeah, I've had three of those. Uh, After, I think it was during TAFE, I didn't make videos for five months and I didn't think I'd ever go back to my YouTube channel. And then I had another one after I made only like five videos. And then I had another one after I made like four videos. And then I just got on a roll. And I thought, geez, if I never had this break, I would have burnt out way worse. And I never would have come back. And I never would have made, you know, there was a job actually at the St. Kilda Football Club that I thought I had. And then uh, only to get a call, only to call them or get a call from them and realize I didn't have the job. And I was gutted. Because I thought I actually had the job secured. Anyway... If I had done that job, I wouldn't have made the video that got me a million views. So it's these, you know, it's this domino effect of events that probably are for the best. I reckon. Um, I don't know if you've had the same experience with domino effects. Sometimes things happen for a reason, but sometimes you know you don't want things to
0: happen, but it ends up good in the end. Absolutely. I'm just trying to think of a specific example, and I feel like I feel like it was when I probably about last year, mid last year, I took a break from the podcast. And it was, I took a break from the podcast and making videos. It was right at the end of sort of Marty's Internet show and it was of that, whatever season we put out, season four, I think it was. And I sort of felt like, damn, this feels stale. Um, I feel burnt out. I feel like all the guys I'm working with are burnt out. And I feel like this channel's not going to grow. Like, I wanted to keep doing Marty and I still do want to keep doing Marty just to in a different way. I think that, and the one thing I really found out and like, I'd always been thinking about it in the back of my head, but I sort of, it dawned on me and was like, it hit me really hard. It was what I said before, you are on me and nobody else is like at the end of the day, it's it okay. lives and dies with you. And I started to think, okay, let's work on things as a project by project basis of like sort of a video by ba- video basis in a way. Like right now, like with the new series I'm working on, the Only Office, it's I'm I'm the head, I'm the writer, I'm the director, producer, ha- as it's always been, um, the behind the scenes, Chuck and my good mate Casper, and like you know, he loves it, he loves it on that sort of stuff, and but that's the only thing he's like besides like helping film some stuff here and there, that's his thing, it's the editing thing, yeah, and then with like oh Noah, Noah's writing the episodes with me, and we sort of it was originally going to be because we we're originally going to do a show where it was just me and Noah. And when things have changed, blah, 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 but I think this, it's probably better that he's only going to be, like, you know, helping me write, of course, and um, if if he's busy and all that sort of stuff, I'll just keep writing, but it's always good to have ideas to bounce off somebody, but he was going to be in every episode, and I think that it's probably a blessing in disguise that he's not, because I feel like that it'll be the same thing that happened years before. I think that he'll get burnt out by being in, trying to work to my schedule. That's the thing. It's like so it's I'm pacing your guests. It is. It's very, very much so. That's why the guys aren't on the podcast. Like I, originally, I remember it was, you know, we were only doing it on We Talk, every Monday, and an on We Talk Extra every Wednesday, but it was the same guys every week. It was like a rotation of the four people. Now that it's a rotation of more people plus guests, those guys aren't getting burnt out. And we're not repeating the same sort of stuff, and it's not like oh, I have an episode for you this week and then in three weeks i need, got another one with you. Let's do two different original episodes and blah, blah, blah. I think it takes a special connection for people to have, to do multiple podcasts about just talking shit. I think it's very, very hard. Like it's, it's especially people who aren't, like I, would just, I wouldn't say any of my friends are really like natural entertainers like whatsoever. They're coming on my podcast to have some fun. But I think it's, and it's also my job now to... Make a good podcast, you know what I mean? Like leading it yeah. certain ways, blah blah blah. Asking the right questions, whether it's a guest or a crew member, yeah. and that's it. It's a fearless leader, um, <laughs> and that's that's it. I've I've realized that it lives and die with dies with me until it grows as a company and I can hire people, blah blah blah. I can't rely on those people to um to get shit done. I think I did that well, for the longest you just time. Just have to keep grinding, and that's it. I think. Um, that's what i have got to do. I've limited, like I've changed some things around production wise and all that sort of stuff and things have been hard and all that sort of stuff. But I feel like I found my groove. I found the balance of working with people and just doing things by myself. And, um, you know, I think, I think grinding on YouTube is, it's an interesting topic. Like, you know, you don't want to be one of those shitty YouTubers who are just pumping out videos like every week or every few days because that happens and then they don't grow and then they get burnt out and they're like, this YouTube thing is nice, never going to yeah. work. Um, and like, you know, this day and age, it's like, it doesn't, you don't have to be putting out a video every week to be a success on YouTube. Like there's many, many yeah. examples of that now. But I think people are just in that sort of, oh, i have got to put out videos, consistency, Got to work with the algorithm, all that sort of shit, and especially when you're work, you're trying to work with the algorithm, and you're also trying to put out regular videos. You're you just you you digging your you digging your own grave. You're digging your own it's, grave.
1: It's tough to watch sometimes, isn't it? With with your friends, I am friends with the guy, and and I felt bad because he made a video a day. Is is you know regime was a video a day <laughs> regime that sounded bad. <laughs> his um schedule was a video a day. You know for every you know for a month or something and i think he succeeded in it but he he's been really struggling because he has uni and doing his youtube channel fuck me and it's just crazy and you know i feel bad because you probably are better off you know spending a month on a video and researching everything and taking your time recording it kind of like you know your previous guest john swan or one of your previous guests yes indeed he his you know motto is to work on a video you know build towards it work on that thumbnail work on that title figure out after a while what's going to stick and then what do you know it works for him so and he only has what 20 something videos yeah not many at all not many at all it's amazing and he has 138000 subs so that is proof in the pudding that it can actually work just taking your time on very few videos granted that's not what i do because i feel as if if i, I feel as if if i do that <laughs> Um, I'll just, you know, lose motivation and stop. That's why I feel like I have to make more. But the less is more option definitely. I think definitely is the key to finding success. I, but you know, that's just me.
0: I think it depends. I think I think there's so many different. But I think in the grand scheme of things, making good video is better than putting out three shitty videos or three subpar yes. videos. Really. Um, one thing exactly. that was I saw. Roberto Blake, and he's sort of like a YouTube guru in a way, and he put out a he put out a video like a while ago, and it, the one major thing that it focused on was putting out putting out hero content, which is you know the way, what hero content was for him was those big big videos, well researched, well produced, all that sort of stuff, and then having some smaller pieces that you know you have something for people to watch in the meantime, and I think that can work really well. Like imagine like and this is probably something that I want to discuss on the only talk extra that we're gonna do which is the, fam- mm. the the famous CEO mentorship program that's it that's what we're gonna call yes. it um, but I like like I think the idea of for example with your channel putting out like a big big video essay a larger a larger project yes. video and then putting out just a few regular more commentary style video I would say, in between, like reacting to even like timely, I think timely people don't take that into account. How, um, you know, if something happens with like a Belle delphine, reacting to a b- that that specific Bell delphine, um, whatever's happening or the video itself or whatever, and doing it in a timely manner and doing it right, I think that can that can that could grow your channel very very well. Um, yeah, very quickly. Oh, abs- absolutely, because I th- and. But it's interesting. I don't think there's a right and wrong with the algorithm. The algorithm's a very, very interesting thing to work with.
1: You just gotta get used to it, really. I think it's all about experience. And that's why I'm not really panicking like I used to. Oh I just gotta be a success. I just gotta be a success on YouTube. I just have to. That's what I used to be like. Now I'm more just like, you know what? I'm I'm twenty one years old, you know. I've I've been doing it for five years, but I've been doing it since I was about sixteen years old, fifteen years old it's not a huge rush. If I slow it down and I realize that this is a topic I want to do, it's 30 plus minutes, it, you know, put a lot of time into the thumbnail, put a lot of time into the title, it, you know, that's a big chance of uh, being success rather than, oh, I got to make this reaction video today and I got to make that reaction video on Wednesday and then that on Sunday. Like you just said, you're better off to, you know, slow it down and, and um, especially when you've got a backbone, like I think the guy from VSource, Matt Tabor, is that his name? Yes, indeed. Producer for VSource too. Yes. <laughs> he um, said to you recently on a podcast, which stuck with me, I found it so fascinating. He said that you've got this backbone of all those podcasts you've done, 160 plus podcasts. And he said that is proof that you have done that. And then he mentioned uh, someone he knew that has that is really ambitious, but he hasn't actually achieved anything. And he said that he's way more interested in what you have achieved rather than what you want to achieve. And I was like, well-spoken, man. Preach.
0: Absolutely. I love that. And that's because I've done so many podcasts and talked with so many great people and just chucked me nuggets. There's so many nuggets that I've got to try and grab and eat, and it's just so hard sometimes. But that's the thing. Yeah. It's... But I love that, and that's that's very very right. It's it's what you've done. It's not what you've wanted to do, absolutely. Mm. Um, just speaking of you being quite a young man, only twenty one compared to my twenty four, but still quite young. Um, oh, we're both very young, very very much so. I and mean, like realistically, like you're closer to being um, you know, being a teenager than I ever was. now, of course.
1: Um, I feel like a teenager.
0: (laughs) Oh, absolutely. And you look like a teenager, you little handsome fucker. But (laughs) one one thing I wanted to mention was like, (laughs) you know, you're a few years out of school now and, you know, you've got, you've had time to sort of, you know, live your life and all that sort of thing. Is there, is there a decision that you would change from like when you were a teenager in high school or even like just after, like those, those formative years, like the, the year or two after Is there a decision that you would change with, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty?
1: Wow. There's there's a lot of things. Um, Not many I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, uh, Well, I think my progression, um, there's a lot of things I'm happy I did. Mm. They're the easier ones to think of, like, you know, finishing school when I really badly didn't want to. Um, Just immediately deciding I'd do that, immediately, you know, figuring out I'll do that TAFE course. TV and radio, but that's not your question. It's the regrets, and the, <laughs> the regrets are wow, it, gee whiz! I
0: can't. Is there think anything of any that the you? To- is there anything you wish you did though? though. <laughs> is there? Is there? Is there anything that you wish you did that maybe even like it, adv- it, it would advance you as a person? Do you know what I mean? Like that, it would have. Is there anything that you think you could have done that would have accelerated your growth as a creator? The, the, the way as even a creator that's the easier question of oh, course cool. yeah. well, let's go with that like even just if <laughs> um was there something that you wished in hindsight you sh- you could have that you did that would have accelerated your growth as a creator as growth or even just like creating the videos themselves like this the, the skill the craft yeah um yeah
1: Just to clarify, I do have a lot of regrets. I just can't think of them at the moment. Um, (laughs) No, uh, there is a video. There's a couple of videos I've made in the past um, in high school that I didn't decide to make public that I thought, gee, if I released that at that time, that would have been, that might have actually been viral. There's one I made of the iDubbbz, I'm gay. (laughs) As soon as it happened, I made this edit where it was like a remix of him saying it. And I did eventually release it in in another video, but it wasn't a standalone thing I released. And I made it only like a few days after the I'm gay, you know, meme became really popular. And it's it's still an edit that I don't even know how I did. And I'm looking at that thinking, why didn't I just oh, why didn't I release that? That could have worked. And you know, it's stuff like that, you know, that's the easier things to think of at the top of my head that, you know, you kind of lose a bit of I have lost a little bit of sleep over that because I thought, gee, that was a that was a big opportunity lost. And then I realized that, okay, well, I can't
0: really turn back time now. It's too late. But, like, um, even what I was going to say was, like, even H3H3 started just making shitty meme videos. And then yeah. look at them now. Like, that could have been your start. And I hope you go. You can't sleep tonight because of that shitty decision. You should have released the video. <laughs> but like, that's the thing. Like, that doesn't seem like a big thing. It's like, oh, I should have released the "I'm Gay" video by iDubbbz. That yeah, sounds fucking it's so dumb. Petty. But it makes it's sense. So petty. It does make sense. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh yeah, and it's the weirdest thing. Like if I ever mention it, my mates are just like, "Who the fuck cares?" Like it's just a, it's just an I'm gay. I'm like, well, you know, it was it was my video, and I, you know, I could have I could have uploaded it was my I'm gay remix. It wasn't so. Anyway, it's I don't really care, you know. In hindsight, but there's there's another video I was watching recently. You know, I think I did a content cop sort of version myself. Ex- except instead of calling it content content cop, I called it still not terminated.
0: Uh, I guess and it yes, was yes. about
1: the YouTuber Stomity and it had this full-blown intro like iDubbbz has. It's a pretty much an iDubbbz ripoff, but in my own you know, style with my mate Cooper, you know, walking in a dark house with a candle and then all of a sudden he finds a picture of Stomity. He knifes it heaps and to this played to this music of like heavy metal. And then I just react to a bunch of Stomity's videos, talk about why I don't like him. And there's a lot of in-jokes and stuff and a lot of, you know, cut scenes like iDubbbz has in Content Cop. And I was like... I look back at it and I'm like, that was only ever intended to be unlisted. What the hell was I thinking? Why didn't I just post that to my main channel? There's another one. why
0: didn't you? Because that's...
1: I have no clue. (laughs) It was because the main recording, I was very disappointed with the lighting, I think it was, in the main recording. And I was disappointed with how negative I was towards the channel. I wanted to be more lighthearted towards it and treat it more as a joke. Um, And then only months later, I edited it together. Um, and then I just thought, well, it's too late now. you know it's, it's somebody's old news now. I may as well just make it unlisted and put it on the playlist somewhere.
0: But yeah, it's just so annoying because there was a lot of work that went into that. See is that something you and I have in common? We're big critics, we're such big critics of our own work. Mm. and I've had so many videos yeah. where it's like I'm editing it and I'm like, this is dog shit, and I don't want to release it. And I've actually done that with a lot of <laughs> videos and they end up becoming oh. they were they became the pilot program on the Patreon. Just so it's like, oh, we have content, but it's that shit. It's behind a paywall. What the fuck? (laughs) It's fucking dumb. But I've always, like, one thing in my head's always been, oh, if I don't want to release something, if it's going to get shit all views. Like, now I care, but I don't care. Like, I've unlisted, like, a lot of the old podcasts, and it's like, oh, they're still around. You just got to go to the website or your podcast platform, blah, blah, blah. But I think having so many videos that have, like, no views, it's, like, really, it hurts the view of the channel, I guess.
1: It does. It definitely does. And when you put so much work into a video, um, you can tell. Like, uh, For example, uh, the Korgoth video recently. Just just bring it straight back to my of channel, course. narcissistically <laughs> here. Oh, geez. Self-indulgent. Um, that video, I view it completely differently to something that I worked probably harder on, which is the Mr. Forthright documentary that only got like 100 and something views. And the Korgoth one has had a few... Big spikes, like I think it got 500 views in 20 minutes the other day, or 720 minutes, and I was starting to get excited <laughs> thinking, "Oh my god, here we go, hundreds of thousands of views!" And then it just slowed down to two views a day. But you know, they're, they're the ones I view differently because they've succeeded, you know, um, compared to the ones that I worked probably way harder on that didn't succeed. And it's like, why is that? I must just be drawn to what has worked instead of what was much more effort put into it but didn't work. It's might be the same with you. I'm not sure.
0: I think it is the same. Like I think we're on the very similar. We're on very similar wavelengths with that sort of thing. Um, mm. I don't know. It's. I think that's one thing I've got. I've really, really got to work on. I think it's like I think if as a creator, I think the biggest thing I've got to work on is. There's many things. <laughs> there's many, many things. <laughs> Me too. But I Me think there's, too, if okay, if I had to pick one overall, I would think it's just enjoy making the content and stop thinking so much of growing. I think that's probably my biggest exactly. thing. And like, you know, I haven't, I'm have i not as bad as I used to be. Um, Omwe used to be my life. My friends used to make fun of me. It's like, all you talk about is Omwe, ha, ha, ha. But it's true. And I'm already like a very intense sort of like ADHD sort of person. I really me think... Too. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. I think that's why we, we get along so much because we, we're, we're both very, very much the same in that sense. Absolutely.
1: Exactly. Yes. And I, I think... What you got to do with your channel, especially when it's a small one, you got to, you got to celebrate the achievements and that can be really hard to do, but you got to celebrate, you know, your achievements. Like recently with your John Swan one, that 169 views is bloody good for a long video. People don't click on long videos ever. They don't. Ever. And it's like, you've got to celebrate that. You just have to, even though. You know, to the average person, oh, 169 views. Oh, that's terrible. No, it's it's impressive. It's really hard for 169 people to get 169 people to click on a video. is really tough. It's not rocket. <laughs>
0: it, it is rocket science, actually. Of <laughs> of it. It's very hard. It is very hard. Oh, it is very hard. Um I th- and there's like I could go on for YouTube for days and days. And you know what? We might we'll <laughs> we we probably will discuss a bit more on our on We talk extra on the Patreon, um, Patreon.com slash on But for now, what what is the last question I'll ask you before we sum up? Is mm-hmm. is there in in life in general is there something that you've introduced like even just like the past years that's made the most impact on your life? Like a behavior or a or even a habit. Or a belief, or just something—not even just for YouTube and creating stuff, but just in—in—in in, in life in general.
1: Um, it's—it's it's so uh, primary school teacher, um, such a primary school teacher term, but treat people the way I would—I don't want to say it the same way they did in primary school, but you know, <laughs> give people the same respect that I would like to receive uh, myself. So you know. Value each person and value everyone that helps you in your life and uh, then that'll help you in leaps and bounds because people will give a shit about you and you'll give a shit about people and that'll help you not just to gain motivation with whatever you're studying or whatever your ambitions are but it'll help other people to really give a shit about you a lot more as opposed to if you don't value the other people in your life who are giving you the time of day to listen to, you know, you blabbering on about your YouTube channel and just your life in general. That's that's a
0: pretty stock standard boring response, but that's the
1: best I could come up with.
0: But I like it and it's simple, but it's, I think, even just like, you know, respect for other people and, um, you know, treat others how you wish to be treated. I think that's it's such a primary school thing. It's just like a primary school teacher. You hear that all the yeah. time. But I don't yeah. think, I think so many people have lost that You know, they don't give a shit about anyone. So many people are just egotistical pricks, like me. But I give a shit about people. And I think...
1: Like me too. (laughs) And I do give a shit about people too as well,
0: for the record. But but, but I think that's life in general. I think, um, like, you know, if you want to be a success, it's about, you know, it's not kissing ass the way to the top. But it's, you know, treating people with a bit of respect, you know, it doesn't hurt at all. It doesn't hurt, and people really appreciate it
1: when you give them the time of day, and uh, you appreciate it when they give you the time of day. Uh, that's from what I've seen in my 21 years on this godforsaken my ball called earth. Oh, good stuff. Oh, no. <laughs> that's a quote from a movie. Oh, I anyway. love Anyway.
0: Um, well, thank you for Sam's Movies for joining us on the podcast. If you want to listen to more, head to patreon.com slash onwe. Um, but thank you, Sam, for joining us on Onwe Talk. Uh, did you ha- thank you for having me. Did you have fun?
1: It was fantastic. And thank you to everyone who listened. Uh, I rate all the listeners. That very grateful you got to this point. Thank you for listening to my boring rants. <laughs>
0: Ennui Talk is hosted by Matthew Winner, produced by Ennui. You can listen to the show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or watch it in its entirety at youtube.com slash TV one You can show your support by becoming an Ennui Plus member, where you get exclusive series and podcasts, early access, and member-only perks. Join us at ennui.tv forward slash plus. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.